set the world on fire. I just want to start a flame in your heart. In my heart, I have a Welcome, everyone, to Greetings from Beyond Radio, Season 1, Episode 2, Warren, the Warren Legacy. And it's going to be an interesting show, to say the least, because it's going to be a lot of ground to cover. Wouldn't you agree, Vicky? And by the way, uh, I'm your host, Rich Valdez, my co-host, Vicky Burnett. Wait a minute. Hold on. Vicky Burnett. All right. Look at this. Two shows and you have it down pat. Wow. Yeah, I know. It took me just, yeah, I'm so smart. So, (laughs) um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be quite the undertaking. I'm, I'm actually tempted to do this maybe a second time, but considering we have so much ground to cover and so many guests that have already agreed to be on the show, Mm -hmm. we may not actually have that opportunity. So um, first things first, before we even delve into this any further, um, I'm going to go ahead and address a question that was left for both Vicky and I in YouTube. And uh, we're going to go to that question now, get that out of the way, and then start with the Warren legacy, which is going to take a minute and a half. So let's go here. It's by Tanya Storer. Do you believe spirits have the ability to come back or be reincarnated? Vicki, if you okay. want to take this, go ahead. Well, I could actually read that a couple different ways. I can read it that we're talking simply about reincarnation, or she could be asking about visitation. Okay. Um, so let's start with visitation. Right. I believe that when people pass, they go to the other side. If they've done everything that they should have done in life and everything's good, then they're allowed their freedoms and they're allowed to come back in visitation. And now there are some exceptions to that. And that has to do with the kind of person you were when you were alive. And again, this is simply what I've been shown. I'm not saying that this is the gospel, that, you know, this is the world and afterworld, according to Vicki. This is just what I've been shown. So I share right. that. Now, as far as reincarnation, I have never specifically been in too many readings where all of a sudden I'm like, oh, gosh, do you know you lived in the 1800s and you were this, that and the other? That's not to say that it hasn't happened, but it's been completely random. More likely it happens when someone shows me a picture of a child and for some reason it just comes flies out of my mouth oh, wow, they've been here before. This is an old soul. And it is completely spontaneous. It is not me saying that. It's 
spirit speaking through me to do that. Now, for me, it seems logical even that reincarnation could potentially exist. And here's why. I believe in things being fair and equal and everybody having equal opportunities. So if I were born during the caveman times, man, that was suck that I got crushed, you know, <laughs> under a big boulder that started rolling down the hill, you know? So I should be allowed the opportunity to be here on earth again, possibly. And it makes God or whatever power you believe in the ultimate recycler because he's recycling these souls until it's time for us to ultimately stay. If you believe in the Bible to live here in paradise on earth. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, it's kind of like it could happen. You also have the reports of children who will tell you how they died in a past life and they will go into great detail of who they were, the people around them, how they passed away and things like that. So I can't totally discount that. Yes, we could possibly be looking at our souls being reincarnated. Just my two cents. Okay. Your, your two cents. All right. So I guess it's my turn. This is tag team on this question. I am on the fence when it comes to this and having been involved with paranormal for what, 36 years now, uh, actually 37, come to think of it. Um, I've heard a lot of people state that they have had um, past life regression type hypnosis and that they were Joan of Arc, George Washington, uh, you name it, even Elvis. And it's not, it's not that they weren't those people, but I've noticed that it's not just one person claiming that it's a lot of people claiming to have been Joan of Arc, uh, Cleopatra, so on and so on and so on. And it gets to the point to where I start questioning is, is this who they subconsciously wish they were or their imagination runs wild with them and they start thinking up details that their mind can create because let's face facts we really haven't scratched the surface when it comes to what the mind can do <clears throat> there's also something else that needs to be taken under consideration and something that i think i stumbled upon the answer years back um when it comes to people having what they call deja vu. Deja vu at first, you know, people would always use that as I feel like I've been here before. I feel like I've done this before. I feel like I've, like I've met this person before and so on and so on. I think everybody by now knows how this works. And let me just state this. I had a deja vu moment as well. And I finally understood what it was. I had actually experienced a dream where I saw a friend of mine and she was going, she was in, um, it, it's a famous shopping center uh, down south in Miami. And I'm trying to remember the name of it, but the name escapes me. Aventura? No, it, it's, it's, it's right past US1 uh, and it's way, way south of you. But long story short, she used to work at Hot Topic. And I had this dream where I actually saw her 
in a car getting out and then three guys approaching her from a car. So they were basically, they knew her pattern. They knew how she, you know, that she was always there uh, around that time. And they knew that she was there to deposit at that night. And I, I remember having that dream. I text her right away. And I said, don't do this. Make sure you have someone go with you. And ironically, when she drove around, she remembered what I had just told her. And she went past it and she noticed the car, the, the make of the car, which and color that I told her. And she went around three times. She then, you know, actually flagged down a police officer to go with her. Ironically, the police officer followed her and parked right behind her. Then that car that was right across the street facing her ended up just pulling out and driving off. So I would say deja vu is more of forgotten psychic events that are going to happen in the future. Yeah, precognition. Precognition. And people have confused it with, I've been here. I've done this. I've seen people before. So I, I can't really lend too much credence to reincarnation. Me personally, I can't speak for everybody else. Everyone's entitled to believe in what they wish to believe. But I also need to think that if reincarnation was real, then what the hell are we investigating when we go out there as paranormal investigators investigating? Because then everybody, everyone wouldn't be available to investigate as a spirit. Everyone would already be in other bodies. Not if you're talking about earthbound spirits, which is what primarily that we deal with a lot of times with haunts, because they never would have gone to the other side in order to be reincarnated again. So they would still be available as haunts. Um, again, I, I can't, I don't, I'm on the fence as well. I can argue both sides for sure. Um, the other thing that I think about is people who have like weird obsessions and I'm one of them. I'm obsessed with Henry VIII. I have been since I was seven years old. What seven-year-old learns about Henry VIII and his six wives? I mean, not many. And I'm, I'm drawn to that time period. If, if I believe in reincarnation, I was in Henry VIII's court. I was not one of the wives, although I do identify with Catherine of Aragon the most, his first wife. Um, I, I can totally see that I would have been around in that time period. And that's why I have such an obsession. I have another friend who's obsessed with the country of Turkey. For whatever reason, she is just, I mean, that's her life goal is to go to Turkey. She watches Turkish shows on her phone all the time. She doesn't have any relatives that have that kind of descent. But where did that weird obsession come from? Where did that interest come from? So, like I said, I can argue either side. Um, there, it's only happened a couple times in a reading specifically where I said, hey, you know, I'm being shown this person. You were this at this time period. It mostly, like I said, shows up with me and looking at a child and I randomly say, oh, they're an old soul. They've been here before. And they just have a knowledge that's beyond what a child should know. I often wonder if if that term old soul is possibly misused in the sense that maybe that child or individual, even though young and they come across as an old soul, is that they are more in tuned with their psychic side and uh, they've remained uh, 
for lack of better words, untainted by the real world around them. And they've maintained much like what we had discussed last week with you, you had that imaginary friend and they've just, you know, for some strange reason, been able to maintain some semblance of being in touch with the psychic realm at large, which quite frankly, in my opinion, is very, very possible. But I often wonder, and I've never, I, like I said, I'm on the fence when it comes to reincarnation. I need it proved to me. I don't need anyone else to prove it. I, I don't need to prove anything else to anyone, but I need more evidence before I can actually say yay or nay. And that's pretty much where I'm kind of stuck right now when it comes to that. Um, I, I think that's really my reasoning for staying on the fence about it. Um, I get where you're coming from. And, and I also have to be mindful of that. There are people's faith that believe in reincarnation. Uh, that being said, I'm staying on the fence for now until I have further evidence of reincarnation. Uh, I know there is one book that was written and I'm trying to remember, was it a child that could recount everything that someone had lived as a in, in world war was it world war ii or vietnam war something like that i forget it's either one of those two wars and he was he was a, a fighter pilot and i remember reading some of that book and i found it to be very very fascinating because he actually recounted everything the life of a man that had already passed away and they were stating that this was because this man who had passed away is now living in the body of this child I'm trying to remember the name of the book. I don't know if you've heard of it, but I know they made a movie about it too. And and I often wonder, is it possible? That movie actually had me thinking for a little while there. I was like, well, maybe I've been a little bit too hard on the reincarnation, you know. But the way you're kind of explaining, I'm questioning, is that reincarnation example or is that more of a human possession type situation well the, he did the child exhibited certain traits um when it came to how he well knowledge of things that a child of the age of four five six seven would not know of what happened during world war ii names of people that served around the person that he was alleging to be and they they actually made contact with the family members of, of uh, those individuals. And, and they said, yeah, that, that was my father or my grandfather's name. And uh, yes, he served as this rank or this rank. And uh, he was in the same platoon with said individual. So there was some research done to back up, back up what this child was actually spewing out as information so it, that made me actually rethink my views on reincarnation that's the only time i've actually been challenged when it comes to that but until i'm actually pushed beyond that limit i i don't think i'm i i'll, I'll wait i'm a very patient man and i'm willing to learn anything and everything and i've done my research on reincarnation it's just i'm not sold yet so. and that's the great thing about the paranormal is that you can have a view and more evidence comes in, just like with science. 
you know, we used to believe this and then there was more research and now we believe that. That's the great thing about the paranormal is we can debate and neither one of us can technically be wrong because we don't know anything for sure. That is true. Until we actually cross over to the other side, that's when we really will know. And if I cross over before you, I'll pay you a visit. Uh-uh. No. 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 <laughs> oh, come on, V. You know, the nope. way I the way I see it, someone's got to, you know, take one for the team. Uh, no, you know? see, uh, mental note, buy a bunch of kosher salt. <laughs> Get ready to put it around my room. I got it. <laughs> Excuse Oh, wow. Okay. I see how it is. All right. No, I know, though. I know that, you know, God forbid this ever happened, but I know that you would probably bug the absolute crap out of me. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. you would. Just because. You, you and know. Bobby Joe. Both of you are coming back to bug me. I know this. Uh, no comment. But <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's our take uh, when it comes to that one. Uh, when it comes to that one question. Uh, so I hope, Tanya, that satisfied, you know, your question. Uh, by the way, I know, also noticed that in uh, the chat, we have our friend all the way from Tokyo, Japan, Irene. Welcome back. Thank you for being uh in the chat and please feel free to chime in from time to time and um i have a surprise for vicky yeah vicky. it's not my birthday i know your birthday's in august but whatever oh you remembered. Um, of course i remembered and um this is a person that was actually viewing our show our debut show last week and um she wanted to come on and thank you because you really uh changed her life so i hope everyone's ready for this especially you vicky i'd like to welcome elena to the show hi and let's see if she pops on and there she is elena hi elena how are you good how are you guys good. Well, how are you? I'm, I'm doing great you know what elena should be in this the big thing Boy. yeah there we go all right <laughs> <laughs> so I, I i called actually i i chatted with elena the other day and i asked her hey would you mind coming on and uh giving your impression of Vicky's impressions and her gift um, as to the, the questions that you had, which were, I'm sure, a lot and answers that she was able to give you from the beyond and some guidance in your life. So, Elena, take it away. Okay. I had to write it all down. So, okay. <laughs> but um, I wanted to give you a huge thank you uh, for giving me the reading last week. Um, it definitely put a whole new perspective on things for me. Um, it opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. Um, it made me become a stronger person. Um, it's great to find out that I have two people guiding me through all this stuff. Um, trying not uh -oh. to cry. Waterworks. <laughs> um, Gave me a lot of validation too. I was stuck in between a couple of answers and you definitely helped me on that, which made a lot of things better for me and for my family. Um, 
also for giving me the tools on how to reach out to my guides and how to open up my abilities better and more. I appreciate that so much. Well, you are more than welcome. That's exactly why I do this. Um, I don't do it for show. I don't do it, you know, uh, for kicks and giggles. I do it hoping that someone gets something out of it. And I'm glad that you did. Oh, I did. I, my family's noticed since then that I've been different and in a good way, not a bad way. Like not more in a way. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm thank you so much. And I know that um, you also told everybody about me too. So I thank you um, about that. You did that privately and publicly now. Yes. So. And there's more reaching out to you soon. Sorry. <laughs> no, thank you. Like I said, it makes, it makes a huge difference to me that it made such a huge difference to you. Oh, and I time. really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Thank you, Elena. You can go back to watching the show now and you don't have to be on the air because you were like dreading this. Oh, my God. Do I have to be like on camera and stuff? <laughs> Bad. <laughs> You're fine. All right, hon. Thank you very much. Love Bye. you. Take care. Thank Love you. you. Thank you. Hi, Rich. Bye. That, ladies and gentlemen, was Elena Stoffer Shields and she is... A great individual i've known her for several years now i was actually uh quite surprised when uh vicky picked her out of you know a huge chat room of people that were all talking all at the same time and uh you actually did help her a lot let me tell you well, that, wow that's... tammy's on look at that oh wow are we special yeah <laughs> how you doing love <laughs> she she is definitely well i'm i'm happy to see tammy on in the chat um uh so this is what what you do uh yeah surprise uh, i'm telling you it is a big surprise um this is why you've been gifted this from the beyond kind of like using the yeah. beyond thing yeah um because you're just one big giant dad joke aren't you <laughs> i guess i've been called worse so uh i wanted to use the opportunity to point out how much you helped elena out and and giving her that reading it it put her on the right path that she needed to be on so you know, that in itself is something uh, that, that that was ironically the surprise. Hi, Jenny. How are you? No worries. You know, I, I know people have to come in late and they got work. We picked the worst possible time to be doing this show. You know, you do realize Eastern Standard, that's five o'clock. Everybody's racing from work to get home. Um, uh, but that's why you have this gift, Vicky. Don't ever forget that. Yeah, because you and I had a conversation yesterday, and um, having Elena speak today uh, makes all the difference for me. Like, she just helped me as much as she said that I helped her. So, And ironically, I had already planned this long before you and I had this conversation of what happened to you. So I guess it was the universe's way of saying it has to happen. So it did. Yeah. so 
I'm looking at the time and we are 24 minutes in, and I think it's now time to really get started mm -hmm. with the Warren legacy. Yes. Season one, episode two, the Warren legacy. And, uh, we're going to get started with pictures introducing the Warrens because quite frankly, um, without their contribution to the paranormal field, we would not be where we're at today and not excluding others that have actually blazed trails for us paranormal investigators today. Um, we have to bear in mind that we have the Warren legacy to hit first and foremost. And in fact, they were the first ones to start um, the first spiritualist organization in Connecticut back in the day. And I think the more people start realizing where we are today and how we got here, all got started by one person and another and another. And that's what this show is all about, is sharing information. Oh, the new computer. Oh, thank you for the for that question, by the way. It's working great. <laughs> Unfortunately, I had to spend money on it, but you know what? It, you know, the show must go on, as the old saying goes. Um, I think when it comes to the Warrens, and and let's face facts, they've they've already started a billion dollar franchise with the conjuring films. Uh, at, but they were the first ones I remember in the 80s uh some segments that were on tv where they were actually on the news appealing to the catholic church to actually come in and help them because there was demonic activity possession oppression something going on with one of the cases that they were doing now jen if you don't mind going to the first picture let's go ahead and introduce the warrens and show people what the warrens you know, looked like if people really don't have any idea by now, they should shame on them. But there's the Warrens. Now, Lorraine uh, started off from my research. She first saw an angel in a hospital at a very young age. No one believed her. And uh, this was pretty much kept uh she kept it a secret after that because she was mocked. Um, Ed and Babe, uh, Babe Zaffis, uh, was you're welcome, Elena. Babe was uh, Ed's twin sister, mother to John Zaffis. Um, and I'm sure everyone knows that name by now. Um, that as twins. I don't know if you're all aware of this, but as twins, they lived in a haunted house. Ed was elated. Babe, not so much. And in fact, they uh, they may have been twins, but they that's where they split when it came to being twins. Um, when they went ahead and started, um, you know, realizing what direction each one's life was going to head of course ed joined the military he was in the navy and then we also had um and, and i i don't know if that picture is available but there is a picture of of ed 
Warren and Babe Zaffis. Uh, but of course, at that time, it was Warren, uh, where he was still in the military and he's wearing his uh, sailor outfit and she's off to the left of him. I, I just you could see the energy uh, rolling off of him. And just to give a little more history, when Ed Warren, I think Ed Warren was psychic to an extent. He was a painter. He would go to a house, any house that he felt he needed to go to. And as a result, if he, it, it was a house usually that he was drawn to, he would set up his easel. He would set up everything. He'd start painting the house. And he would go ahead and go to the front door and Jen, I think it'd be easier if we went three screen when you're showing the pictures that way. You know, there's no interruption. That's just an easy flow. Let's go with that. Um, oh, Vicky. <laughs> I guess like her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but when it came to him doing this, his reasoning was to get his foot in the door and say, here, I want to present you with this painting. But can you give me a tour? Yeah. I thought that was exceptionally clever. A lot of times he would have Lorraine actually knock on the door, um, thinking that it's a better way to get in. But here he is. She'd say, oh, my husband, he's a painter. And he did this, this painting of your home and we'd like to give it to you. And that's how they got in and were able to satisfy their curiosity. I think that's so clever, honestly. And you know what? It was actually him doing this at first. And then when Lorraine and him got married, she just helped in in, in picking the house too. Because I, I, I firmly believe he did have a bit of the psychic abilities, although he leaned more towards the demonology investigative side. Um, Lorraine, of course, being a natural um, psychic medium, uh, I think in time what happened was once lorraine and him got together they became the perfect combination and they helped a lot of people out some people have even claimed they've done over tens of thousands of cases dating as far back as the 50s and i believe their last case that they ever worked was uh, 1990 to be exact uh until they're both their healths were well ed's more than hers were, were beginning to fail him um and it got to the point to where they just couldn't do it anymore naturally you, you know you got to reach a point where you retire right so i like to continue showing the pictures because uh this is leading us uh down the, this path but in the meantime while we're getting the pictures up on screen um why don't we discuss about a little bit about the book that you've been reading vicky uh while we're at it and go from there um i'm currently reading about um a haunting in connecticut which was turned into a major motion picture it was also the story was featured on a haunting and i do have to say the a haunting version is way more accurate than the hollywood movie um uh, that had virginia madsen in it it was made mm -hmm. several years ago and um the biggest thing that stands out to me is being able to thank the Warrens, not only for being there for the family, 
but being pioneers to make it so that other families don't have to suffer as long as the Sneckers, I have a hard time, Sneckers did, because they had nobody to turn to. Their, their child was telling them this place is evil. His behavior was changing. There were all these phenomena going on that every family member was experiencing, yet they couldn't you know, go online, Google, and come up with 10 different groups or 10 different people that could help them. But thanks to the Warrens, now people can. And that is incredible. I see Jenny Davis says, I actually did. I interviewed Carmen Reed um, years ago as well. Yeah. So did I. Uh, back when I started Greens from Beyond Radio, and that was a fascinating one hour. Let me tell you something. Uh, not even a quarter of the stuff that you saw in the movie was even mentioned in the movie. When she spoke, everybody was listening. That was one of the highest rated shows and interviews I ever had back then. Yeah, there was so much that happened in that case um, that, again, was not addressed in either the movie or the version of A Haunting. There was a lot more detail, obviously, books usually do. Um, one of the things it does mention, going back to Lorraine in her younger years, it does mention that one of the first things that she discovered she could do around the age of seven is she saw colors around people. And then she eventually learned that she was seeing their aura. Right. And then that developed into other gifts. But that was one of the first ones that she really noticed, but she kept it to herself. Nowadays, mm -hmm. it's so great that people with ability have other people they can talk to. And they don't feel, I've had so many readings where someone's like, oh, they always said I was a crybaby and I needed to grow up and toughen up. Well, the person was an empath and that's why they were so sensitive. And just knowing that they were an empath changes their look. It changes their life. So well, yeah, go on. So the exposure that the Warrens afforded us and how the paranormal grew because of them is extraordinary. And all of us who have, any experience in the paranormal who spend our time out of pocket, our own pocket, helping others have them to thank for. Agreed 100%. I think uh, they the, the way they approached the paranormal and quite frankly, um, the many articles I've read over the years and just brushing up on it just before the show, they reached out to universities for students that were studying parapsychology. They reached out to clergy. They reached out to uh, news reporters. Uh, they reached out to so many people in social media back then. Social media was quite limited. It was either TV or radio. Nowadays, there's TV, radio, cable, and then you got podcasts and so on and so on and so on. So imagine if they would have started this now. I mean, you know, right there, looking at that picture of them together, you can you could tell they made the perfect duo when it came to approaching the paranormal. In fact, if you're not if I'm not mistaken, I'm gonna even have to use my four eyes here. Pop that pop that picture back on, please. Jen, uh, thank you. I believe there's some uh, I think there's a painting in the second picture behind him. 
And it may have been one of the paintings that he kept for himself. And there's also a few items that they've already started collecting. That's another thing they started. They were, they were actually, at least to my knowledge, thank you, Jen. Um, they were the first ones to start an actual museum of their collections of haunted items. And there's that picture right there. Um, I find it fascinating that they chose to block off a part of their house. And by blocking off a part of that house, they made it open to the public for people to come in and look at their collection of haunted items. Now, me personally, uh, how do you feel about, let's say you had a big enough house and you said, I'm going to start collecting haunted, haunted items. Would you be willing to take that risk? The, I mean, just wondering, if, asking if, for a friend. Yeah. <laughs> if the items were contained, I'd probably have more problem with people coming to my house to look at them than I would have in the items in my house. But if they were contained properly, then I might, I mean, I'm not going to go on eBay and buy a haunted doll or something like that purposely. But if I have collected items from investigations in order to contain what is within those items to keep people safe. And if I feel that the safest place for them to be would be under my watchful eye, then yes, I probably would do it. Uh, Jenny is asking, did, does anyone know if Ed actually did a painting of a nun or not? In my research, uh, from what I understand, the nun was a non-point. Uh, she wasn't really a part of any one particular case. Uh, that that may have been a case, one of their many, but it was never really brought to light in books or literature. Um, that's kind of up in the air. There, I couldn't really find too much information when it came to the nun. Anything on your end, Vicki? No, uh, I think that was part of a Hollywood fabrication. Yeah, it could be. And that, that's one of the problems and one of the dangers that we have when when Hollywood kind of swoops in and takes over. They use their uh, tinsel to kind of like make things sensationalized. And in reality, there really wasn't anything to it. Uh, even the, the Annabelle story, from what I understand, it was, um, if I'm not mistaken, roommates that lived in an apartment together, they had purchased this Raggedy Ann doll. No, a mother of one of the girls had purchased it for her daughter. Gotcha. But they believed that it was, it, it, it actually had the spirit of a little girl. Yes. Because it. a psychic medium, I think had come and told them that there was a little girl in the doll. Correct. And then once Ed and Lorraine were contacted, they came in, uh, they investigated and Lorraine felt that there was an, well, a demon that was controlling itself or portraying itself. Actually, that's the word I'm looking for, portraying itself to be a child. So that's where they started collecting all of these haunted items, just to, you know, kind of throw that in there. Right. <clears throat> uh, so that's what I thought to Hollywood. Yes, Hollywood is, look, you know, the one thing, the one job Hollywood has is, you know, sell tickets uh, and and make new box office records, and you, you can't blame them. They're in the, you know, this is entertainment. 
That's their job. The one thing I never talk about Hollywood, the one thing I never understood, I think the original story of how they ended up with the doll is the most interesting. And they created those other stories without telling the original. Maybe the original is going to come out at some point. I don't know. Um, little kudos to Hollywood, though. You know, they used a totally different doll for the mm -hmm. movie. But I love the fact when the woman goes into the shop and the Annabelle lookalike is on the shelf. And it's the mother who's actually getting ready to purchase it for the woman who ended up, you know, in real life. Um, so I love the fact that they did, even though the Hollywood Annabelle was not a Raggedy Ann doll, they did manage to put the real lookalike in the movie. It made people who knew what they were talking about made me smile at the, at the end of the movie. Uh, well, you know, I'll give them this much when it comes to Hollywood. They made Annabelle creepier than she really was. Uh, I, I don't know. I never, Raggedy Ann's pretty damn creepy. Yeah, no, but come on, you know that 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 was not a Raggedy Ann doll. That was some something that Hollywood created to make it creepier. See, okay? I don't think it made it creepier. Oh God, for me. I, I thought that was creepier than anything else because I can handle Raggedy Ann and Raggedy Ann. You know what is it, Raggedy and Raggedy Andy. Ann doll, Raggedy Andy. Andy and Raggedy Ann doll. Mind you, I never collected those. I I'm, I was in the GI Joe and Spider Man and all that stuff, but to each their own. Um, the doll they created for the movies was a lot creepier. I I, I actually fell off my seat when I saw, <laughs> I saw this on eBay, and someone was trying to sell the Annabelle doll. They actually tried to say that they were selling the real Annabelle doll that was once owned by Ed and Lorraine Warren, and they were using the doll that was used in the movie. I'm like, what? Anyone that knows anything, like you and I, when it comes to the paranormal and its history, know that it wasn't that creepy-ass looking doll. It was actually a Raggedy Ann doll. But this person believed that it wasn't a Raggedy Ann doll like we see here. It was, in fact, that creepy doll they created for the movie. I just find that to be amusing. So needless to say, yeah. So in your studying of, of cases, which one stands out the most when it comes to you? Was it the, the haunting in Connecticut or was it another another one of their no. many investigations? But one of, one of the things I want to mention about haunting in Connecticut is during the process when their son's behavior was changing. This is something that you and I have talked about before. Uh, they finally, he did something inappropriate with his cousin and they called the police and he was institutionalized and they diagnosed him with schizophrenia. So okay. all the voices that he claimed that he heard, they blamed on schizophrenia. And, you know, you and I have talked about that, which will probably end up one day doing a whole show. I would imagine on our theories in regards to the paranormal and schizophrenia, um, but that's what I, I found that very interesting. My personal, the case that caught my attention the most was the Smurls. And they were a family who bought a duplex. The main family lived on one side and the husband's parents lived on the other side. Okay. And it was actually, Jen had showed a picture. It's them um, when she showed the... Um, the Warrens on the porch and he's, he's wearing his little thing around his neck. That was from the, that one, that's the press conference 
when they were trying to get the attention to get actual help for this family. And this was one of the first cases that I ever encountered or heard of where you had a succubus. Yes. And that's what, you know, that's the first in, in my, you know, readings at that time, that was the first time I had encountered something like that. And they desperately, this family desperately needed help and they needed help from the church. And they were members of the church because they were Catholic and um, they ended up, I believe the same thing where they heard of the Warrens lecturing Mm -hmm. and they reached out and you, you know, you have to help me. And they had a whole team. It wasn't just them. They had a whole team of people that came and they had their own person when they couldn't get help from the Catholic church, they had their own person to help rid the family of the entity or entities that were there. But that was always my most intriguing. So that's the one that actually resonated with you the most when it came to one of their many cases. Um, Something very interesting mentioned in the chat room, Jenny Davis states, my husband lived in that city where the Smurl haunting happened. He knew the family. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, You know, I've known many people that have later on after my team uh, had their story told on one of the plethora of shows out there nowadays uh, just to get the word out there. Uh, In fact, I was part of one of them on a haunting Um, and it was I believed uh, I believe the name was Buried Secrets, if I'm not mistaken. And this happens from time to time. And we were reached out to by Tim Yancey, may he rest in peace. And uh, he said, Rich, I know you got many cases. I, I have a connection. Do you want to get a story out there? And this kid was plagued by what later on con- I was convinced was an attachment. And that case was very interesting because it actually affected me during the investigation. And a lot of people don't seem to understand the Warrens and they've actually been quoted as saying this, that there were almost every case they got involved in affected them in one way or the other. It affected their health because it also involved demonic activity. Now I know there's a lot of people that cast shade on the fact that they loved calling everything demonic. This is not true. There were certain certain cases that they did not consider to be demonic, and they were actually able to help people out very quickly. And oftentimes, what's done, what was done back then, is no longer done today. Back then, the books were authored and written by actual reporters that followed the warrants and quoted them during cases as they actually did the cases. The haunting in Connecticut, I found to be very, very interesting, and I'll say why. This house used to be a funeral home, unbeknownst to to the family, until later on after the purchase is when they found out that it used to be a funeral home because they found out that the basement is where they actually embalmed the bodies. And that's where the morgue and staging place was. Actually, the staging was upstairs. And the basement is where they prepared the bodies before they brought it upstairs. 
the amount of energy, negative, positive, sadness, everything you could possibly think of goes through those doors. And for years, this home was not a home. It was a funeral home, but no one really lived in it. Imagine the amount of energy, negative energy that was brought into that home. I think that's what that's pretty much what caused it. Well, there was also things going on when it was a funeral home that were, let's just say that it led to what energy it attracted. There was someone who worked at the funeral home that was doing inappropriate things with the bodies. And that added fuel to the fire. Correct. So... And, and is this speculative or is there actual proof that this happened? It's written in the book. So okay. whether, you know, how much you want to be, you know, you want to say reliable, the sources who wrote the book, but it is written in the book that that was found out. And if you look at what happened to the people who lived in the house, it ties into the character of the living person who would have done this to the bodies. And, you know, whether it was his spirit that was attacking the people, whether it was true demonic, this, that, and the other, um, or whether the man, the living person who committed these crimes to the bodies, maybe he was influenced by the evil that was already there. Fascinating. And and you know? uh, I, I, I tend to be one of those that I don't lend much to the movies that have been created after the book, because after that one particular uh, story that we're talking about the case that the Warrens first took on before it became uh, the haunting in Connecticut. There was a lot more that happened, and it seems as if Hollywood actually changed the history a little bit as to what really happened in that house. And this is, of course, you know, once it becomes Hollywood's property, they can pretty much do whatever the heck they want to. Right. But um, I tried to be a realist. And the Warrens, when they first started helping in this one particular case, they went in with all guns blazing. And they were not going to stop until, until they were able to help Miss Reed and her family, especially her son, who was the one that was tormented the most. And unfortunately, years back, he actually succumbed finally to cancer because that's one of the things that he was actually battling at that time. And uh, unfortunately, he passed away at a very young age. And uh, Carmen no longer wants to have anything to do with the paranormal. And who blames her after what her and her family went through? Right. I, I, I totally understand. But the Warrens did the best they could. There were other people involved. And let me tell you something. Eventually, we're going to get into that later on in the show. We're not going to get into that now because it's going to segue into episode three, uh, which quite frankly, I'm, I'm finding to be even more and more fascinating. But oftentimes we have a lot of individuals that will in Hollywood make something more than what it really is. And it's just to sell tickets. It's to get ratings and whatnot. We have to bear that in mind. And again, I think what really happened in itself would have been enough for a much better movie. Um, during the time that they're in that house, her son, when he went there, they went there so they would be closer to his cancer treatments. Um, he went through his treatments and his cancer was in remission. Well, it, the voices, there's a part in the book that tells you basically when he finally gave in to the voices, 
that were talking to him. And then he started communicating back and cooperating with them. It seems that the voices basically promised him that they would make sure the cancer wouldn't come back. Right. I remember that. So that's the manipulation that came in. That's how they got in. They chose the weakest link mm -hmm. in the house. They took advantage of it. And they finally got someone to make a deal. His defenses were naturally already down due to the cancer. Mm -hmm. So, of course, he was targeted and he suffered the consequences, unfortunately. Uh, this is one of many stories that the Warrens have been involved in. They've been involved with so many, even the Amityville, which we will touch on in the second hour. And I'm kind of like holding back when it comes to that one, because I love the Amityville. Um, and in fact, uh, you know, we, we're, we're just a few minutes away from break time. Um, I know a certain someone that actually, yeah, thought, yeah, nice try, that went to Amityville and actually passed by, saw a werewolf and was like, cool. And was, did you feel anything, by the way, when you were passing by that home? Well, I was, I was sitting on the side in the car that I was looking mostly at the other houses. So my daughter was on the side with the werewolves and she's like, oh, look, cool werewolves. I only turned my head briefly. And then we got to the end of the road and it's a dead end. And we were like, okay, we must have missed it. And as we turned around and we pull up, I'm like, duh, it's the one with all these werewolves in front of it. I can't believe I didn't notice it when I glanced over there. Um, but no, the first time it was a quick little glance. I looked over to the other side of the car. I didn't pick up on anything. And, um, and then when we turned back around and we figured out which house it was, then we actually stopped in front of it. And the people, I, I love the fact that the people live there. They were decorated, you know, to the nines there for Halloween. And uh, they seem to embrace the fact that the house has a history. And there's always going to be people like me that fly up for the weekend and want to specifically drive by the Amityville house. Oh, you're a fangirl. What can we say? But anyone that's a fan of the paranormal is usually, and this goes toe-in-toe, -toe, a fan of horror movies. Let's face facts. Um, but the one thing that it, that is true, and I know this for fact, this happened many, many years ago because the people that were living in what made the Amityville house so famous removed the infamous barn-looking window and replaced it because they felt that it was drawing too much attention to them and they didn't like the people the on drivers like you uh coming by you know good luck in disguising it it's literally the only house on the street that's turned sideways so it is actually i don't know if when the house was originally built they only had this small plot of land and it was very long and narrow that led to the water but it's literally the only house that's turned sideways so and, and, you know, uh, there's much to be said about that one particular haunting. Uh, there's a lot of people that are going to tell you that it was a hoax. And there's a lot of people out there that will tell you it was not a hoax. You don't move into a house that big. And then 28 day, days later, move out and leave everything you own in there. You must have a good reason. You must have won billions of dollars and decided to move to another country 
before something like that happens. So, if you know, for those individuals that say it was a hoax, I got news for you. I've heard the interviews that Tim Yancey used to have with the Lutzes, and I can tell you this. It wasn't a hoax. What happened there was for real. And let me tell you, it, it's, I know for a fact that Lutz, Mr. Lutz actually started circulating that it was a hoax and, and for good reason, because he didn't want any more people trying to interview him for this anymore. He was tired of it. He didn't want to have anything to do with it anymore. Well, um, as we get into that topic more in the second hour, I spent quite a bit of time with Tim Yancey and his insight of knowing George personally, um, because it went beyond just regular interviews. He knew him personally and and things like that. And also ties us into one of the statements that I heard Lorraine say, but that's coming up in the next hour. But um, yeah, I, I will fight somebody who claims that Amityville was a hoax. I will, I'll fight them. <laughs> you won't hear it come from me. I, I look, I spoke to Tim as much as you did. You actually worked with him. He was on your team for a little while. And uh, he had an inside that no one else really did. This guy really uh, was very close with Mr. Lutz. And he actually was the one to get in good with him to be able to get more out of him and he's the one that filled me in on what really happened in Amityville but we're gonna we're we're gonna go into that in the second hour and I believe we should be taking a break very soon uh we're gonna go to break in fact now so when we come back we will hit up the Amityville and the Warren legacy even more so so people stay tuned don't go anywhere we'll be right back after these few short words from our sponsors
Welcome back, everyone. The greetings from Beyond Radio, Season One, Episode Two, The Warren Legacy, and we're going to get into this a little bit more. But first and foremost, before I go any further, um, I'd like to give Vicky an opportunity to put her, you know, information out there for anyone that wants readings. And ironically, someone just popped on Eileen Jones, who actually she did do a reading for, I believe, last year, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, <clears throat> Eileen uh, just had nothing but rave reviews when it came to uh, Vicky's readings. And uh, right there on the bottom, you have all of the information you're going to need. Uh, I just got smash. I just got finished smashing stuff at break it. She's getting her aggressions out at that place where you break things up. <laughs> I guess so. Yes, I agree. She's awesome. And right there in just a ticker below, you have all the information. If you want to get in contact and set up an appointment with Vicki, feel free. And let me tell you, you know, there are many authentic uh, psychic mediums out there. I consider her to be one of the ones. She's the one I always turn to when I have a question and I have a case. I send her a picture and she's right on it. Uh, Shay Lee, let's see, I gotta wear my glasses. Yep, she's already booked. I can't wait for my reading. Okay, so she's already booked. There we go. See, now everyone's rolling in. You know what? The I think we're gonna have to think of, and this is up to you, possibly changing the time from five to six and go from six to eight. Is that too much to ask, or is this something we'll That's discuss later on? That's fine with me. I'm I'm flexible. Okay, that's good to know. Um, so, hi Vicky, been watching you. This is from Margaret. Uh, you both. This is so interesting. You both have such great knowledge on this, and I agree. Uh, but you know, this is we're just sharing with everyone and trying to get the best out of both of us, and. You guys, don't forget, you guys are the most important ingredient to this whole show, to be honest with you. So we're going to dive right in. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Before I dive in, because, you know, Eileen, once again, uh, there's Beth, too. Okay, hold on. Hi, Beth. <laughs> and by the way, uh, 
I'll, I'll fill you guys in on Beth later, but it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, Eileen says, uh, she also doesn't tell you what you want to hear. Just the truth. Yeah. That's and true. I apologize if I'm getting ready to say something that I know you're not going to like, but I'm also obligated to tell the truth. So <laughs> I do it as gently as possible. Uh, I, I don't know where Beth Allen is, by the way. Um, I, I, I was hoping she'd show up or pop up or something like that, but I guess she's busy right now. And I understand, uh, Beth has a lot of issues, Beth Allen, um, the para thug and someone that, uh, uh, I ended up dubbing myself the para pecker. She's going to spit whatever she's drinking right now. Um, after, because she is. Beth Allen is is a very, very special individual, in my opinion. She is one of those that does not hold back, much like UV. And uh, but she's more out there. There's a reason why her nickname is just not Beth Allen. It's Beth Parathug. Um, so she doesn't hold back her punches. Uh, Beth Watson, thank you for for chiming in. Um, she will be one of our guests down the road, by the way, and uh, she's been someone I've been friends with since back in the days when I was part of John Zaffis' team, Prisney, and um, we were the only team in the whole state of Florida that to actually take on investigations for John in Florida. So that it was an honor, and I actually got to meet her. Ironically, she happened to be in Marco Island, my favorite place to go vacationing in and there she was. And I was like, Beth, and she was like, Rich, we took a picture together. I'm gonna have to find that picture. It's somewhere in my archive somewhere. I have no idea. But before I go any further, um, we need to dive in in depth when it comes to the warrants. All right, so one of the cases that really really fascinated me was the Amityville. We re we started talking about it in the first hour. We're going to segue and lead into it in the second. Here's the thing when it comes to the Warrens. They were one of the first duo and team to actually go in and investigate the Amityville house after it had been vacated. And they actually made the news because I know for a fact that they were interviewed on TV while in the, in the house. They were also um, doing a seance. They took photographic evidence and so forth. But before we go any further with that, the whole thing. Hi, Irene. Good to see you. I'm, I'm sorry if you were kicked off. Good to see you again all the way from Tokyo, Japan. Wow, we have an international fan already. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so it, this all happened not with the Lutzes. This all really got started with the DeFeo family. And Jen, when you have the opportunity, throw that picture up of Mr. DeFeo. Um, this is the DeFeo family, Ronald DeFeo Jr. and his siblings back row left to right john allison mark front row dawn now for those of you that don't know that house has a history and it it actually goes further back than when the defales moved in 
And I believe when they moved in, they were mo more susceptible because there was, come to find out, a lot of abuse in that household due to the father. And the oldest was the one that suffered the brunt of this abuse. And that being the case, he succumbed to the spirit or spirits that resided in the Amityville. It resulted in this article, hoping it comes up in a few seconds. The fell son accused of killing his whole family, two brothers, two sisters, his mother and his father. The fascinating thing about this, and I know the, the writing is too small for people to read, is how he did it. He did it with a rifle. The rifle had no silencer on it. He went room to room, killed them while they slept. Not once did they seem as if they were trying to get away from him or they were on the floor. They were actually killed and left for dead on their bed. They didn't move at all. And the same for the parents. I found that to be fascinating. One of the first documentaries I saw and one of the first documented books written about the Amityville was by Hans Holzer. Hans Holzer was one of the first ones to go in there, but he had a theory. And his theory was that this was something that happened because nobody around that house, neighbors, heard any shotgun blasts at all. His theory was that there was a magnetic EMF field around the house that stopped the sound from actually blasting out and allowing for other people to see. That was created by the spirit or spirits that were in that house. Ironically, I think that's a good theory. It's a possibility, although it's far-fetched. I think that's one possibility, but the Amityville was a point of attention for so many people. Uh, let me see. I remember that the son, this is from Irene, that the son would mention in jail that he heard voices as if he was being possessed by a dark entity. And I was just about to get into that. Thank you very much, Irene. No one ever talked to him about it. Actually, that is not correct. There were many reporters that spoke to him about this. He was going into detail about it, and then he started closing up because there was a lot of negative press coming out of it. And he was trying to get out. You know, he was trying to get off on, on good behavior or parole, but they had actually den denied him parole. He had two life sentences from what I understand. Um, oh, and it's up for sale now. That's interesting. You want to buy a house, Vicky? I can't afford Amityville House. No. Okay. I can't <laughs> afford it. I would if I could afford it. You would, um, but you can't, you won't. Right. right. Well, the problem with Ronald DeFeo Jr. is that he changed his story so many times, you would have thought he was Linda Blair with the exorcist head spinning around. Oh, if he was possessed. And he, but he recanted all that. Um, he changed it multiple times. Now, DeFeo was also, uh, they say that the father was very abusive, but Ronald DeFeo Jr. was also under the influence of heavy drugs. Yes. Yes, so I there believe was Angel lot, Dust was one of them. Yeah, there was a lot of yeah. things going on that he was doing that could have contributed to his the act that he committed. Well, uh, not denying that, and of course that always plays a part in any kind of possession. I find it fascinating that this led 
to so many other things that happened. He claimed he heard voices. There were no other phenomenon taking place, but soon after the murders happened and the Lutzes moved in, that's when the activity really ramped up because go on. I have to stop you there because there was an interview with the Warrens okay. when they were talking about the Amityville. It was when their son-in-law, they used to have that show and he would interview them. They pointed out that they, the uh, DeFeos, had had a priest come in to do not just a regular blessing, but a specific blessing that would have been geared more towards evil spirits. They also had a special blessed statue that was turned into a fountain in the front yard that typically most people didn't do unless you're, you know, looking for heavy duty protection. Mm -hmm. So that put a question in their mind whether they had actually experienced something that maybe they hadn't shared. And then, of course, we can't get the story from them now. But there may have been some type of activity mm -hmm. going on based on that alone. Um, and the Warrens had actually talked about that themselves in this interview. You know, I, it, they may not have spoken of uh, the activity taking place in the house, the fails, but the, the oldest son, who was the one that committed the murders and was informed by voices that he heard, which could very well have been induced by drugs or his natural defenses lowered so that he could be possessed to do something as heinous as killing his whole family. We need to take under consideration that a very tragic situation happened there. Lives were taken. Uh, very early on, uh, these were children, as you could see. And the, the, when the Warrens went in there to conduct their investigation, mm -hmm. they went in with a team, a team of students from nearby universities that were actually studying to be parapsychologists. Mm -hmm. And they set up a lot of things back then you know back then we don't have the technology we did they didn't have the technology we have today but we have to we have to also remember that they used what they could and they did have in available to them um a camera that would actually be set off by motion that much they did have and there was something very interesting that they captured and i want jen to go ahead and post that up on the screen now now as you can see there's a picture the very first one to your left you can actually see there's someone peeking around that room and it happens to be the same picture of a child that is on the upper right hand corner that one and i'd like to go back to the other picture that you had up before that jen it it is allegedly believed that that child right there on the bottom is that same child up there that that, that camera picked up on. Now, keep that picture up a little bit until Vicky has a chance to actually get, if possible, a vibe. Because I know Vicky, I know you very well, V, you work off of pics. Um, do you sense this could be the, that spirit? Or do you feel that this was possibly the demonic entity portraying to be that child? Well, I mean, I've been looking at these pictures way too long to have a completely objective view of it. But you taught me that when a demon tries to present itself as in human form, there's always some imperfect. 
So if the fact that the eyes are blacked out is not a fault of the camera, then that would have been an imperfect. So it may not be the actual child. Now, I know a lot of people, one of the debates is that you can't have a child spirit. And the only argument anybody has ever given to me to say that that's not possible is that God wouldn't leave a child earthbound. And my answer to that is, have you seen the stuff that goes on that is allowed to go on to children? So it's not beyond my realm of belief to think that a child could be earthbound. Not, I do not subscribe to the thought and theory that all child spirits that are walking the earth earthbound are demons pretending to be child. That that's me because no one's ever given me more concrete than God wouldn't allow it. Something very interesting that was brought up here and also by two people, I'm going to go with Beth first. And she's, she actually states, I don't know if you know this, but people were trying to claim that was John. Now, I'm going to ask Beth to elaborate a little bit more and, you know, clear this up. What John, which John are we talking about here? Is it our John or some other John? I'll give her some time to type up her answer. And in the meantime, we have Irene and she stated, didn't Mr. Warren claim, where is it? Didn't Mr. Warren say that it was a demonic spirit and not the child? Um, I believe, yes, he did. And uh, I would have to agree with both Vicky and with Irene. Uh, not casting shade on, on Beth in any way, shape, or form, but of course, those were the naysayers that wanted to actually make the Warrens look bad in a way and, and claim that it was their nephew, John Zaffis, and in fact, it wasn't. Um, so I, I would have to agree with what Vicky said. And actually, yes, Vicky is training under me. She is my mentee. I'm her mentor when it comes to being a demonologist. And yes, you are correct. Usually when a demon comes across and they try to come across as a human being, there will be imperfections that you will pick up on. And if you notice, Jen, put that picture back up, please. Um, the, there are no eyes. And, and as Beth says, oh, I know, it wasn't John. He was a lot older. <laughs> well, <Hey>. even somebody <laughs> claiming that they would have their nephew, Lorraine Warren was quoted later in life. She was asked, which uh, case would you never want to return to? And she emphatically replied, the animal She would never go back there. So if that's the case, those people who at some point thought they brought their young nephew there's no way that they would have done that, in my opinion. If it was so bad that she never wanted to return to that location, why would you bring your young nephew there? That's not logical to me. And he wasn't that young at that time. He was young, but he was not. I'd say he was just starting college at that time, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, no, that was not John's office. I'm sorry to disappoint those naysayers out there. We're getting so many people here. Let, let's go uh, with this. What's your thoughts on babies stillborn? I have mixed emotions on this. 
I can only speak for what I have been shown during readings. I have been shown that children, infants that die very, very young or that they're stillborn or even miscarriages. I have been shown that on the other side, they actually get to grow up and they continue the process. Now, if they have siblings, living siblings, they mm -hmm. often come back and play with them as long as that sibling is able to see them. They continue to have relationships with them. And the best part is that when it's time for their parents to cross over, that lost child is one of the people that comes to bring them to the other side in their grown-up form. Thank you very much uh, for that question, um, Eileen, and uh, there's your answer. Thank you, Raymond, for stopping by for at least a few minutes, and I, I hope you get your studies in real good. Elena uh, also states, question is uh, the movie The Nun, an actual case from Ed and Lorraine, because I've seen the picture that Ed painted of her, but then none is it none is its own movie and it never mentions the warrants if i remember correctly or is the none a fictional thing i think it could be because the franchise that took off from the conjuring uh you pretty much leave a lot to the imagination when it comes to hollywood doing little spin-offs here and there very much like they did with annabelle a lot of that never really happened. No one really knows the history of Annabelle. It's just that it was a case that they were called into and they took the Annabelle doll and that was that. That was pretty much it. Um, you know, I, I, I think people, okay, I've had children spirits that were earthbound and I had to cross several of them over. So yeah, it happens. And I found them in dolls and other items. Fascinating. Um, what are your feelings on this um, when it comes to earthbound spirits in dolls, in inanimate objects when it comes to that? I personally have never, if I've seen a child that might be earthbound, they were running around like a child. That's just my experience. That's uh, your experience. Okay. Yeah. So and not, I don't not... discount anybody's. I'm just, I can only speak for what I've experienced. <clears throat> well, of course not. And, you know, not, not veering away from uh, the Warrens. I think it's important to to also realize that a lot of the you have over easily 60 years, maybe 70 of anything, if my math is not correct, of experience here. And also stories that have been told, retold and so on and so on and so on. And it gets changed along the way. You start a story off the way it should have with one person and by the time it reaches number 42 it's completely changed from what it really was when it first started yeah. so we have to bear that in mind um so that being said yes and, and you know someone that would know a lot about the warrens and even john would be beth because she worked with john and uh she also met the warrens several times so I would also wager to say that I'm going to be asking Beth questions when she comes on to the show later on, uh, I believe in uh, March, if I'm not mistaken. And we're going to have, is it two hours, Beth? Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you agree to two hours? Please. Um, 
because I, I Beth, I think needs airtime. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes. Okay. So that being said, when it comes to the Warrens <coughs> um, and the Amityville story, we already went through the defails and what happened there. That that is a huge energy print left behind on that house. Okay, agreed. That in itself can create a violent haunt like the one that the Lutzes went through for 28 days. They couldn't take it after 28 days. They got the hell out of it while the, the getting was good. And I don't blame them. The things they were seeing, experiencing, and George Lutz was actually, his personality was changing it, to the extent to where he even claimed in interviews that I recall where he wanted to murder his family, much like what DeFeo did with his. So we have to think, was this an imprint that le that was left behind but was being manipulated by something demonic? My opinion, yes, I think so. And I would agree with Ed Warren and in what Irene actually stated earlier, that yes, this spirit picture of the child that we had up earlier was actually the picture of a demon portraying to be a child now i want you to also remember something as we look at this picture one more time this picture was taken during an investigation that the warrens were conducting in the amityville home so imagine this spirit coming through while lorraine is doing her walkthrough it's not going to come through as this really ugly monster it's going to try and come across as something defenseless something that's that could never you could ever imagine in your mind would ever try to hurt you of course it's going to come across as a, a child and that in itself is very fascinating and it's it's really my experience when it comes to anything demonic being a demonologist myself they have come across as children not only in 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 sight but in audio and also they've shown up on film as children too, even elderly people, because those are the ones that you would never think could ever hurt you. They want your defenses to be down naturally. So yes, I agree with everyone's, you know, take on this. Uh, looks like his tongue is sticking out. Uh, bring that picture up one more time, Jen. I'm sorry. I'm sure Jen is tired of seeing this picture by now. <laughs> well, I, as I'm looking at the picture more, I can definitely see. I know that um, I think it was Beth that mentioned that there he's wearing glasses. No, so, like, that really makes me wonder even more if you have a spirit whether it's human or demonic are their glasses really going to reflect are they so physical that their glasses would reflect a camera flash i don't even see a frame to be honest with you you can't if i can see it when when jen had that one picture you can see big round glasses they're very big round I, I can't point it out to you because you can't see what I'm showing. Oh no, um, I, I I think I know what you're you're talking about. But you know yeah. what? That it could also give that effect would be sunk in eyes. But I see a little bit of the frame on the one side. Um, 
so any, anyway, what I'm questioning, because I always question everything, what I'm questioning is, okay, a ghost or a demon wearing a pair of glasses, your glasses reflect like mine are reflecting right now? Well, hmm. as in life, they will appear to you as in death. And so I... I it, yeah, but we're talking about the laws of science here. Yeah, yeah. And we're talking true. about reflection off of a glass surface that is technically not a real glass surface is it still going to do the same effect no i don't think so because yeah. it would notice it's focusing right at its eyes where the eyes would be and i don't know if we can bring up that picture again of the the fell family before they were they were killed i'd like to take a good look at that i'm going to put my glasses on here let's see you know what it looks more like the middle child, the, the middle son, the brother behind Ronald DeFeo more than it does the younger one. That's my opinion. I might be wrong, but then again, it's possible because it indicates that the child, the youngest one, was would have been a lot smaller than what we saw in that picture when he was captured in that one shot. Um, and Aaron Hoffman, uh, the art of deception is rooted in the appearance of weakness or innocence. Agreed 100%. Aaron, good statement right there. Um, Irene Takura, I left my haunted condo and lived there for 20 plus years, and it was hell on earth for our family. And it was a place where I got harassed and got sick, we couldn't move right away. So we finally moved out, but yeah, it cost money to leave, and we never looked back. And, and you know what? I, I I totally know what she's talking about. When I, we've we've seen this so many times, Vicky, where people just can't take it anymore. I know of one family I tried to help, and I actually gave them the answer. I showed it to them frame by frame, and what they thought they were seeing outside in their security cameras were demons trying to get into their house. I stopped it frame by frame by frame by frame. I showed her they're bugs. You're going to leave your house for this? This was a house that she inherited. They had no payments on it. She sold it. Go figure. Fear is a very powerful thing. Uh, yeah, and, and yes, as Eileen said, thank you, Jen, for working the photos. Jen is the best. Let me tell you, she's been on this... <laughs> doing a great job and a shout out to jen thank you so much you're doing an amazing job um hello everyone from texas or hello guys from texas charles rudd thank you for joining us charles um all the way from texas we have everyone from everywhere this is awesome um well going back go to the lutzes and one of the things that people always bring up about it being a hoax is they always say, well, they bought this house and they were always going to happen and this, that, and the other. Well, first of all, uh, this I learned from Tim Yancey, the Lutzes were not hard up for money. He owned a very expensive boat. He still owned another house at the time that they purchased. Hmm. Number one, number two, anybody who's ever owned a house or anything that was paid with payments, they're not going to take it from you right away. If you miss a payment, Okay, so 28 days and, and you're going to bail for financial reasons? I don't think so. I mean, you can extend being kicked out of your home for months and months and months and months. So that's not logical. 
if you look at the pictures that were taken when the investigators came in after they left mm -hmm. 28 days, these people had put their house together. There was one room in the entire house that had a few leftover boxes. Listen, I've moved and I had boxes sitting in my dining room for a really long time after I moved because it takes a lot of work. But these people intended on staying. They had every, you should, the linen closet was perfect. Everything in there was the way it was supposed to be. Everybody's room was unpacked. There was only one room. I think it was a sewing room that still had a few boxes in there that needed to be put up. So that's not logical either that they would go to all that trouble just to run out 28 days later in the hopes that they were going to earn money from a haunted house during that time period. Come on. The odds of them making money off of that story in that day and age were very slim. This day and age, maybe. Back then, no. No, no. And, and you're right. I have to agree with you there. Um, many times I spoke to Tim as well, and he told me, do you honestly think that a family that had actually already settled in, that's really the word we're looking for that quickly into that house would actually leave it as it was. I mean, it was ready to be moved in to, there was not one box left. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, I have to go back to what Tim Yancey told me so many years ago. He said that when Mr. Lutz spoke to him, he said, you know, I, I had to, I had no choice. I was left with no choice that i had to tell the press i had to tell people because they were not, they were bothering him and his family and it actually eventually led to him divorcing his wife because he didn't want this affecting his family anymore to where they had to start telling the media back then that it was all a hoax that's bad when you have to start lying to people that are in the media that are constantly hounding your family and bothering you left and right. Uh, you know, I kind of understand where he's coming from. He wanted to be left in peace and his family as well. So we have to bear in mind, that's not something that we should really lend too much credence to. The Warrens would not have invested so much time investigating this house for as long as they did um, if there wasn't something to it. And they really invested a lot of energy into this, especially, you know, Lorraine Warren. Uh, Ed, as a demonologist, did his best to cast out whatever was there with the help of clergy. But I think in the end, he ended up just having to back out. And as you stated earlier, Vicki, and I read the article as well, where they stated the one case that actually affected them the most was the Amityville house. Agreed. Absolutely. And, you know, um, George Lutz, for his part, one of the things that Tim used to always say is that George never changed a single word of his story when he told his true story. And he said, I don't care if you believe me, but I'm going to tell my story because it's important to tell my story. And when the second movie version came out, he was so upset. Because in that version, he killed the dog. And George was so upset that it was portrayed that he had killed the dog. And I'll never forget 
you know, Tim telling me that story of how upset he was that he was portrayed that way. And you know, yeah, well, but let's face it. A lot of that was Hollywood yeah, and that's absolutely. what Hollywood, that's their job is to make this more, you know, horrible than it really is. Uh, I've actually wondered why many of the stories that were taken from the Warrens were not just left as is because they were more terrifying in real life than they were yeah. when they messed with it. So yeah. I, I, it just, it never really, I, I just never understood why they did that. Eileen yeah. is saying people forget movies and shows are for entertainment. True. This is true. But the real stories were very entertaining. They were very um, intense and the way Hollywood changed them was not beneficial. I've always said a lot of these, I'm going to get some hate mail for this one. Um, a lot of these, Gee, thanks V. <laughs> a lot of these ghost shows um, that we know sometimes evidence is fabricated for entertainment purposes. If they were to go in and actually honestly investigate with the best of intentions, then they would get that evidence that they want and wouldn't have to fabricate anything. You know, uh, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. Their job is to entertain. Keyword. As Eileen stated, people forget movies and shows are for entertainment. This is true. It's very, very difficult to bring across a story and what you were feeling and have it depicted correctly by studios producing and directors and writers, screenwriters. Uh, oftentimes what happens is people tend to exaggerate, but if they stuck to the story, the story alone is terrifying as, as it is. And you really don't have to elaborate or, or even uh, make anything up. Just stick to the story and you have it right there. Irene, uh, we also had a housing loan and we sold our common left. So you do run as far as you can and never look back. Agreed. That that has happened. Um, the next picture that we're going to post, because I, 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 I need to move forward with this before we get any more in-depth uh, into any more of the questions. Not that we don't want the questions. We want all the questions we can get. Um, let's see if we can get the next picture. So Eileen says, sometimes too much isn't always a good thing. It seems fake. Sunshines. Um, they go with what people find interesting at the moment in time. This is correct, unfortunately. Um Jen, go ahead and post the next pick if you can. So, if anyone knows anyone, that is Lorraine to your left, Ed in the middle, and a very young John Zaffis. Now, I've always called John the boss. And John was actually studying to be a parapsychologist, and I believe he is an accomplished parapsychologist, but at that time he was training with the Warrens. Uh, why? Because Ed happens to be his uncle. Um, and Ed's sister, twin sister, you have a sister, happened to be Babe Zaffis. 
And that's why uh, I know for a fact that I've known John for well over a decade now and spoken to him many times. We've hung out. I've worked cases for the man. And I can tell you this much. He's always spoken highly of Ed and Lorraine. And he actually worked with them for many, many, many years. Um, I am one of those individuals that I give credit where credit is due. Uh, one of the reasons that I actually get along with John is because he's a very down to earth individual. To me, he's like a second father and I've always had nothing but mad respect for the man. Um, when it comes down to that, not too many people know about it. Now they do. There's, there's going to be a lot more information coming out when it comes to John, but that'll be, you know, in let's see where we're at right now. And about 16, oh, actually less than 16, 15 minutes uh, or 14 to be exact. We're going to have more information coming out on that. So you're really going to have to stay tuned. For those of you that have stuck with us this long, you might as well stay till the end. There's only a few minutes left. So you know what? Whatever. Enjoy the show while you can. The Warrens. I'm going to say this. The Warrens were trailblazers. They were individuals that created new ways of investigating they actually appealed to the press and to tv and radio to get the word out there um eileen john is the one person i'd love to sit down and talk to much respect the you know what people don't understand is to every beginning there's an end and then another beginning it started with the warrens many years ago it took a lull for a little while there. And then all of a sudden it started picking up again with ghost hunters. And now, just now they're beginning to notice because of the movies that have come out and because of the attention, the Warrens were one of the first pioneers to actually bring the paranormal into view. Let's bear in something very important in mind. This took a lot of courage. They were mocked. They were not believed. They still took the time. They stuck to their guns and they they went with what they believed in. And I mean, think about it. Back then, they believed even less in the paranormal. Today, there's a lot of people really giving credence to the paranormal. But we have to remember back in the day, 60s, 70s and 80s, they really didn't give much credence to the paranormal and they were brave. They, they had the courage of their convictions to stick to what they believed in. You have to give them credit where credit is due. The books that were written and the cases that they took on and they featured was for a reason. It was a blueprint for every single one of us paranormal investigators to take notes from. And I think Vicky would agree with me. There's many things you can learn from a lot of books, but the books that I would really recommend for people out there is to actually take the time to read the older books, the books by the Warrens, the books by Hans Holzer, the books that are simply named ESP, because those are the books that you will really absorb. Here's Chrissy Baguette. Um, they were amazing people and opened the door to many people who opened their minds. Correct. Think about how brave they were to actually go into a court of law. Oh, yeah. And be yeah. yeah. to stand up there and try to prove a possession as a defense in a murder case. 
I remember what Ed led with when it came to that. You would have us go into a court of law to defend a man that claims that the devil made him do it. Yet before we can say anything, you have us swear on the Bible saying, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? So help you who? God. God. So you're, you're here forced to take an oath with a God that you may not believe in, but could be fictional. And yet you're not willing to even accept the possibility that let's not say the devil actually made him do it. Maybe his demons made him do it. For all we know, that's what happened. And they almost did win the case. But in the end, the judge could not really rule with that one particular, you know, claim, unfortunately, because they needed hard evidence. And the hard evidence they needed was that this individual did do it and they that he couldn't take he, he, he couldn't take the excuse of the devil made me do it. Right. You know, well, he probably honestly, he was thinking of his career as well. You know, well, yeah, well, it, it would have set a new precedence mm -hmm. if he would have taken the, the route that was being encouraged by the lawyers of the gentleman that actually uh, committed this crime. And uh, he would have possibly been disbarred as judge if he would have done that. They have to base this uh, off of true hard facts. Irene Tokura in Japan, the subject is not to be spoken about. And I remain quiet about what I do and hear and see it's sad. You know, there are many cultures out there, uh, much like in Japan, that don't really give much credence to demons. And it's an unfortunate thing. I, I know that they believe in other things, having studied much of the culture and much of what they believe in. Um, there isn't really much room for anything but uh, hungry spirits, evil spirits, uh, but they don't really like, you know, talking about demonic anything. And even people that can see and sense like she can, they're actually frowned upon. Oh, God, of course, Eileen says, I'm going to say Rich made me do it. I always say that. Yeah, whatever. I'm always everyone's scapegoat. Um, <laughs> well, cut the goatee and you won't be a scapegoat. Yeah, no, I, this is this is my trademark. I can't get rid of this because then I'd lose a lot of, you know, mystique. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, the Warrens have really set. They've set the bar high. And I think that over the years, people have stopped reaching for that bar and gone below it. And it's gotten to the point now to where oftentimes what you see in entertainment is what you get. You know, it, it is what it is. Um, I don't like admitting that because I'd like to think we've come far from where we once used to be. But I think we have we have to we were almost there, Vicky. We were almost there thanks to the warrants. But now. We've dropped, and unfortunately, it's due to a lot of the sensationalism that's taking place nowadays and the way that social media is handling this. Yeah. So in, in as we approach the close of this very interesting episode two of season one, The Warren Legacy, what parting words would you like to 
part with uh, when it comes to our next show before we head off to our next show next week. Well, do we want our audience to make sure without giving it away that they read up on our guest so they can be excited or? You know, I think it's, I think it's okay that we go ahead and, and kind of show that flyer now uh, as to whom our guest is going to be next week. As, and as everyone can see. And please leave that up for a minute there, Jen. Thank you very much. Greetings from Beyond Radio. We'll be having John Zaffis. Of course, it says Johnny Zaffis. That's what he goes by nowadays. Uh, February 1st. And this will be next week, Wednesday. Uh, do not miss this because let me tell you something. I, I, I've always had John as a guest on my show over the years and he's always been gracious enough to take my my invitation and join us and uh i'm looking forward to talking to the boss one more time uh the truth will set you free thank you for such an education well you know maria as far as i'm concerned i think we're all educating ourselves ourselves here when it comes to communicating back and forth with each other uh, Chrissy says, awesome. That's great. Tune in everyone. Definitely. We're going to be all tuning in. I'm, I know I got to be here because I'm one of the hosts and Vicky's going to have to be there too, because, you know, quite frankly, John is the man. He is the godfather of the paranormal and he is truly a very down to earth individual. Someone that I have learned a lot from over the years. I've considered him to be a, an actual mentor of mine over the years. So yes, next week, Wednesday, February 1st, if I'm not mistaken, um, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we will be having John's Well, office. you asked if we wanted to change the time of the show, so keep updated on whether we keep it at 5 or change it to 6. I, I may have to keep it at 5, simply and only because... You are. We, he's already agreed. <laughs> he's already agreed, and, and several other guests that we've already committed with have agreed to and people are really going to be excited with all the other guests that we have as well they're very very intuitive when it comes to their expertise uh elena says again thank you so much vicky you're amazing and to you as also rich for having me on the podcast love you guys we love you right back i, I um it, it it was a pleasure to introduce you to vicky and to find out that vicky was able to help you Yes, oh, thank you so much. Eileen is jelly. Oh, well. <laughs> Here's the smallest violin right there. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and let, let's let's realize something before we, we head off the air. Um, we have much to learn, much to evolve from when it comes to the paranormal and where we're at. The Warrens were the beginning they scratched the surface and it is now left up to us we're the next generation and it's up to us to actually make sure that this goes as far as we can take it can we all agree on that and i want to reiterate you were saying to read and read some of the older stuff 
Yes. And I think that's important. One of the reasons I think it's so important is you mentioned it earlier about not having the same type of equipment and technology. Listen, I'm Hans Holzer style. My recorder, my senses, I go in, he went in with a transmedium and a recorder and was able to resolve and help so many people with very little technology. So now we're so used to these things that light up and they do this and they do that. Read some of these older books and how they did it before they had all the bells and whistles. You know, it's it's nice to have the bells and whistles, but I've always said it's best to also know the science methodology that's used behind the bells and whistles. Back in the day, and I joked about it last week, I remember there were several cases where I actually had to use talcum powder or flour to see if there were prints left behind by spirit. Go figure. You know, and Polaroid and actual tape recorders to do EVP sessions. This is unheard of nowadays. Film and cameras, what's that? Everything is digital. So nowadays, there's much to be said about what is used. I still use, believe it or not, Polaroid. And as soon as I have enough money saved up, I'm going to buy myself a tape recorder. Guess what? And tape. They're still out there. It's called Office Max. You know, free plug right there for Office Max as far as I'm concerned. Um, but there's something to be said by the way we used to investigate. Maybe we should go back to the way we used to investigate. We might actually be able to capture better evidence and compare it to also digital equipment. Wouldn't you agree, V? Absolutely. Listen, I'm low tech and I have great evidence from being low tech. Agreed. I, that's just the way I roll. So, um, and look at this, uh, Irene says she uses a 35 millimeter camera and she thinks it's great. My old partner taught me old school methods. This is from Eileen Jones. You know what? The way I see it, this is the way it should be. We, we can't forget the past because by forgetting the past, we're doomed to repeat it. We're doomed to repeat all the mistakes. mistakes. Why do that when we have already gone through those mistakes? Let's not go back. Let's go forward and let's push this forward. The Warrens did all the footwork for us. They took all the pot shots, all you know, the name callings that you guys aren't real. This is not real. Guess what? It is. It was. And it still is. And oftentimes, much of the evidence that we capture nowadays, a lot of people are misled to believe a lot of things are paranormal. And in fact, they're not. Me being a photographer, I can tell you a lot of the evidence that's put forward. And I agree with Chrissy right there. Polaroid. Polaroids are awesome. I never caught an orb with a Polaroid. Why is that? I'll tell you why. Because it's actual film. Digital nowadays leaves a lot to be questioned uh yeah and charles rudd i still do old style you know what we're i guess we're old you know <laughs> old fogies here we're just old i know but i i really feel that the warrens really set us a really cool path we should keep following it so remember that ladies and gentlemen and don't forget real quick up on screen jen our next guest next week on Wednesday will be none other than John Zaffis himself. And I'm looking forward to this. He is one of the most influential individuals, at least I can speak for myself in my life, that has actually 
guided me and helped me out on a lot of cases. So I'm looking forward to next week's guest. And with that being said, um, we've already sent out all the information for people to contact Vicky. And uh, if you want a reading, hey, you're going to be getting a good reading. The only thing we didn't put out is my personal email. It's Nancy, N-A-N-C-Y, 3-8-Drew, D-R-E-W, at AOL.com. So now that you have that, we're going to lead off, and we're going to go ahead and finish this show off as we usually do. Remember, people, to tune in next week. John Zaffis will be on as our first official guest for Greetings from Beyond Radio. And remember what I always say in every single ending of all shows. Live life. Don't let life live you. And peace be still.